Welcome back to Well Played, a podcast of playful learning. Excited to have a new host with me today, Adam Powley. And we're ready to talk about many paths to victory, choices, choices, and more choices. But let's uh, have Adam introduce himself. Well, thanks for having me. I am Adam Powley. I'm a, an American history teacher in South Carolina, and uh, I teach uh, 11th graders. Nice. And uh, just a little bit about your gamification background. Where are you kind of on the... You know, uh, on the I'm spectrum. currently in my fifth year of uh, my gamified classroom, so I've had many uh, many iterations. Nice. Uh, like I'm, I'm constantly in beta mode, uh, testing new things. That's right. Many iterations and many more to go. Many more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's awesome to chat with you. We have been in similar <laughs> circles online, and you're a you're a constant on. Uh, XP Lab posting both during the chat as well as throughout the week. You're, you have a wonderful, thriving blog. People, we should check that out. We'll put that in the show notes to make sure people connect with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Adam's the real deal. He's got just some great ideas, and I'm really excited about today's topic, uh, this idea of many paths to victory. Uh, and my first taste of that was actually in some board games. Uh, and some of my favorite board games, when you start looking at some of these new designer games, they're less linear. There's less like, this is the one thing you have to do to get points. They mm -hmm. usually give you, so like Monopoly has like one way, right? Like get the monopolies, build the houses, build the hotels, make money. Um, but uh, but uh, some of these board games, these new ones introduce like four, five, six, seven different ways to score points. And they're, they're really well balanced. I mean, like there, you could win doing any one of those seven or, you know, countless combinations and it's super fun. And building that into our classrooms is just, it's going to be epic. My, uh, I have a seven year old and a four and a half year old now. And my seven year old is starting to get into games like chess. And uh, his latest one is actually uh, Ticket to Ride, uh, the, the beginner game. That's a good and one. And there's literally many paths to victory because uh, you're building a, a train track and you're trying to get to point A, but you can go to any of these different cities. Um, he's, he, it's definitely stimulating him more, and it's one of the few board games we can actually sit around and play right now. That's great. Uh, you know I love playing board games with family, friends, mm -hmm. strangers. It really doesn't matter for me. Just I just want to play board games. My my first many paths to victory, though, and I, I think we've talked about this a little bit, was uh, civilization games, uh, oh. the old Sid Meier's games, and uh, being able to uh, pick what type of uh, civilization I wanted to start with. Um, I, I think I always ended up being the Romans or some variation on that because they had the legion, and I could be like this big, powerful, you know, war power at the very beginning. Uh, right. I ended up always like becoming a communist because I could just become a dictator and <laughs> win the game through uh, military conquest. Uh, but there are so many other ways to play too. So you didn't just have to become a military leader. You could become, uh, you could go to Alpha Centauri and, and win the game that way uh, through space exploration. So there's just so many different ways to play uh, that I, I spent many Saturday nights just sitting at home in front of my, uh, my old computer. <laughs> But like that's that's it, right? Like there's this excitement. I mean, there is. I'm just gonna use my overused word that there's there's a sense of exploration there. Like you're trying to figure out like 
this right balance like how much in your civilization do you put towards you know the the economic engine to prepare to go to alpha centauri so the the other win condition was you could build this spaceship and send out your your guys to colonize this other earth-like planet or you could win by military conquest on the globe but mm -hmm. then like then you got to retool your civilization another way and if you went you know too much one way and not enough the other like you'd lose and... yeah you definitely have to have a strategy going in you couldn't just sort of wing it um and that's one of those things that <clears throat> i've always been trying to incorporate into the the classroom is uh, how do we give these kids many paths to, to get where they want to go, but how do we also let them strategize? Um, is ah, there, that's key. Is there any way that we can allow them to have some control and, and some strategy on how to succeed and what they want to do and not necessarily what uh, I want them to do? Uh, you know, having some intentional uh, direction, but letting them have paths to get there. That. Um, and and the, that's inspired from that civilization and those types of games growing up, the yeah, Age of Empires and and all those types of games. That's great, and uh, like you you hit on that key fact in gamification is that that sense of agency that you're giving students choice, and it's and I always try like I struggle to sort of communicate this to teachers that it's not just you know you're in a lot of these Twitter chats and they talk about voice and choice, voice and choice. Mm -hmm. You know, well the, my kids could write a paper or they could do a speech. I'm giving them you know voice and choice, and while that is a choice, but I but I think gamification is talking about even a more powerful and interesting choice. Like you you tied on there that the, the word strategic, right? Uh, and ways that we can build into our game some strategic choices. Uh, I think it's where your game really amps up and gets kids super excited. Yeah, um, when I, uh, sorry, when I first started gamifying, um, I kind of remember the old joke, like with my kids, you know, you obviously have a choice. You can either eat peas or you can eat carrots. And in <laughs> my kids like mine, that's not really a choice. They, they're still eating vegetables, something they don't want to do. Um, you know, if, if, Path A leads to uh, the account of the meat market, and path B leads there, but it's prettier. That's still going to get them to the meat market. Um, so the idea of you know having a uh, a paper or a speech that's still a paper. Yep. Um, so trying that's to give them vegetables way either way. Right. So trying to give them a, a different way to explore the content or explore whatever skill it is uh, is very important. So uh, you know we have kids that love to draw. Maybe they can do sketch noting. I, I've seen some people really uh, talking about that a lot lately, as opposed to doing physical handwritten notes. You know, those are meaningful choices that kids can really run with. Yeah. Uh, just a shout out on sketch noting. You guys got to check out Carrie Bacham uh, mm -hmm. at Heck Awesome. She puts out some wonderful things about you know visual visual note taking. That's who I was actually thinking of. I, I, I've seen her post a lot on that lately. Yeah, she's genius. So, like, how do we do it? How are ways you've built some strategic choices in your game? Uh, yeah, let's let's start there. I'm sure people are wondering. We're five minutes into this podcast, and they're like, "I'm I'm in. I'm sold. I want to do it." But like, now, what does it mean? Uh, I do it a, a bunch of different ways. There are certain base things that I think every student needs to do, to go through, um, at least at the, in my school, in my junior level, they all have to do a certain amount of writing and such, but um, I like to do it through side missions. So they, if they complete the main mission, they can go do side quests, um, or even with the main mission, I try to give them like optional products. So they might have to do research and show me that they have that skill at doing research, uh, but they can 
write a paper or they can uh, make a display, they can do a short documentary, uh, just many different products that they can come up with that uh, will give them a chance to show that they've, they've mastered whatever skill it is that I want them to master. Nice. Building on that, like one way I've built in choice is, so the way I've structured my game, most of the ways students gain abilities within my game are through items. So that's how, like some teachers do, you know, characters, like you're a mage, so you can get this power tree. I don't do that. I just, the items you have are what the power-ups you can do. And uh, I've done where a lot of my items unlock different potential assignment types or explorations, right? Learning explorations that they can go on uh, or start to pay out better. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, so they've, you know, maybe they're still, maybe they love to draw. And at first, like drawing is only going to get them a hundred XP or something like that. But if they continue down that path and kind of upgrade and hone that skill, maybe in the later in the year doing that same thing, all of a sudden can get them 500 XP in my game. I, yeah, I, we've been uh, having a lot of conversations in the chats about uh, power cards. Yeah. And uh, those seem to be very popular. And, and I've, uh, I don't know where I've come up with it. I think I've been inspired just kind of in the, the general zeitgeist. Sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've got cards similar to that. And um, you know, this idea that um, we have cards that can grant new abilities or you know, change the way that they can play. Uh, you mentioned kids that like to draw. Uh, I've seen some cards that um, on a test, uh, you can have like a little three by five cheat sheet. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, I, at least in my school, we still have to give tests. Um, so that's one ability, but I've, I also have a different power uh, that they can purchase uh, through this alternative economy that uh, they can sketch their notes instead. So they can have a sketch card instead of a handwritten card. Uh, so that's one of those choices I'm excited about. But I also have those other cards, too, that you know, unlock certain missions, uh, add certain playability like that. Yeah. I think what I like about what, you know, what we're both talking about here is this is where I think we get some of that strategic element into the game. Because mm -hmm. kids have to make a choice of, in my case, what items they want to put. They only have nine pockets, so they only have these nine abilities at any one time. Uh what do they want to put their own energy towards? Because they're going to have to go on some of these side quests to sort of upgrade some of those items. So, you know, there's only so much time. And, you know, I talk to my kids about that. That's real life. Like, I, I could do anything I want today, but I only have today. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that introduces that sort of strategic element. Um, do you have anything that works with groups specifically or whole classes so instead of the individual uh part of the the my planning for this upcoming year is uh some gilding uh you know the idea of guilds if, if people aren't aware of that it's the idea of uh, more of a long-term collaborative group uh, as opposed to sort of um, a one-off you know we're in class one day and we can sit together and, and you know work on something uh, guilds are more long-term uh they're more permanent uh, and they have the option to form the guilds. They can you know, make flags and banners, but they can also go off on you know, more specific guild side quests. So only people that are members of that guild can go off and, and you know, do some of these missions. 
that's one of the ways I'm trying to offer them a choice to do that. They can choose to participate in a little leaderboard activity as a guild. Uh, so trying to introduce some of those points, badges, leaderboards type elements in that way. Talk to me a little bit more about those leaderboard challenges. Uh, well, uh, through uh, a couple of different challenges, uh, if they join the guild, I don't want to uh, just post everybody's XP out there. Uh, but if they join the guild, we can average out the XP and see who's got the most uh, points. And they'll have like a leaderboard that would allow them to uh, see who's on top. And this can go through all, I, I teach five different classes. Uh, all of the different five classes can have, get on this leaderboard. And we'll average out the, the XP count for the guild, and then whoever's on top gets certain uh, rewards. Uh, they can uh, sit in the special student lounge that has comfortable chairs, or they can, um, you know, they, they can uh, go on guild fights and, and fight other guilds. Um, I'm also including a, a most improved, uh, as opposed to just a straight leaderboard, because I think leaderboards tend to be demotivating if you're not near the top. Uh, but the most improved for the week, everybody can be part of. So... Uh, I, I've been trying to include more of that in there. That's, uh, I don't know, that all just sounds like now I have 10 more questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> I'm working on it too. Uh, so I'm sure everyone out there now wants to hear, how do you have the guilds interact with each other? You talked about like fight uh, other guilds. I know that that's, that's a choice many of my students want to make. And yeah. I, I handle it in one way, but I'm kind of curious how you handle it. Uh, at this point, um, I'm still in the planning phase. Um, I, right. I've done different games in the past with this. Um, I used to play a little Capture the Flag game where uh, you'd, each team would get four little chunks uh, with a vocabulary term. We'd split their flag up. And then at some point throughout the class, uh, if you could manage to get a piece of that shield without uh, getting caught, you could do a little visual vocabulary activity and then uh, you would win that flag. Um, right now, what I'm going to do is uh, students are going to be able to issue challenges. So you get to issue one challenge a week, and uh, we'll, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out more ways to do this. But you issue one challenge a week to any other guild, and uh, the, if the guild accepts, we'll give you a little 10-question quiz, and the highest average uh, will we'll win whatever the wager is. Um, I have a little alternative economy instead of uh, experience points being their, you know, what they earn, they earn gold so that they can purchase the different cards. Uh, so they can wager, you know, hundred gold pieces or whatever, and the winner gets the pot. Uh, or if they want to wager a card, they can wager a card. Uh, and then if the other team has it, they can uh, earn that. Um, I have uh, different avatar types too. So I have a rogue avatar type, you know, one of these maverick kind of kids that doesn't just doesn't want to be part of a group. Uh, the rogues can issue a challenge to any guild on their own. Uh, which I, I'm, I'm excited about because I have some students that just want to like be on their own, not have to deal with any other people, uh, but they still get some of the benefits of being in that that guild grouping. I like that. That's nice. I like the sort of one guild or one challenge a week. So those could be cross classes then too. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to do that, but yeah, that that would work. Uh, at first, I'm going to keep it just in the class. Uh, but I think as as I figure out the the sort of mechanics of how that's going to play out, I think being across classes would work well. And my other question would be, what tool will you use? Is it just going to be a paper test that you just sort of print out, or is it going to be, do you use a learning management system to make that uh, choice uh, quicker and easier for them? And yeah, for the you? one that I, I've been using is uh, GoFormative, uh, goformative.com, which is really nice. 
Uh, I like their setup. It's it's quick. It's easy. Um, there isn't a whole lot of logging in involved, which yeah. helps. Um, I'm trying to figure out ways to do it outside of just a, a multiple choice test. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, th- at this point, I want to see how this goes before I move it further. Yeah, it's funny too when you know when you talk about this gamified class and talk about providing more and more choices for the students and building in more of these mechanics and these layers. Something that all of us game designers have to really pay attention to is how much this will take in terms of our management of it. Um, and I mean, sometimes I come up with a great idea, but like, there's no way I could actually maintain it. Like, right. if I if I was some sort of computer designer and I could like have the computer, you know, if I could write it all perfectly that the computer would handle it, it's a sweet addition to the game and it provides great choice, like Civilization, right? Mm-hmm. I, I always dream about building a game that, you know, they have their individual items, but then I want this like idea where they together are building their like village and build these buildings that are big basically they're just bigger items but they would take the whole like group to pool resources together to build it and then Mm -hmm. i want that to like much like any other video game that building then sort of amplifies other components to the game you know it's like a multiplier like now this house's xp produces faster because they have a barracks kind of thing um but like trying to manage that and then and and then also carefully balance like how much these things are worth and balancing out giving out resources like ah, i just i tried it for like half a year and i was like no this isn't working but it's like what you were talking about earlier with students having so much limited time of the day with teachers yeah. too and that's something that we always forget about um yeah so finding a system that works for you is important yeah uh, so so i like this i mean i i feel like that's manageable the one quiz challenge mm-hmm. um I also wouldn't even shy away from like a paper quiz on that because it would just be easy to manage. Or, I mean, you and I have taught long enough that we know our content like the back of our hand. Oh, yeah. You, you could actually probably just have the two guilds sit right there and just come up with 10 questions on your own. Like, like a quiz bowl style. Yeah, like just on top of your head. Just say like Q1, just write on a sheet of paper. Q1's this, Q2's that. Trade papers and grade. Right. And I think that's something that is important, too. Um, I think competition is a good thing as long as it's managed well. Um, and even a little bit of like trash talking going back and forth, that's an engaging thing to be able to you know, have a safe place where kids can learn what is acceptable and what's not. And uh, so I, I like the idea of adding that guild fight so that they can you know, compete academically rather than you know, competing in sports or you know, whatever they do after school. I like it too because we all, we all know about you know we've talked a lot in in XP Lab chat about the gamer types and I I don't do enough for sort of my provokers those those people that really that really want to be a little more aggressive mm-hmm. and this sounds like a really good way to to do something for them but also teach them how to be a prog- uh, provoker without being you know being over the line. Right. I, I think school is definitely made for socializers and is made for those achievers that want to gain the points. Uh, trying to find those other types and trying to get them some opportunities is uh, an important thing to do. Yeah, so that's a good one. That's a good choice that you've built in. Um, another choice area that I've got is just my side quests in general. There are usually in mine about 10 side quests per unit that I put out there and they range in like type. And mm-hmm. then like I already shared, 
some of them will be more rewarding to the students because of certain items and power-ups they have. Uh, so this is a nice combo effect. And again, a nice choice is they can select which side quest they want to do, but there's also like this meta game of what what abilities do I have and what might be the best selections for me. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you throw them a curveball and you make some of those ones that people aren't taking, but you as an adult see the value in it. Like, ah, I really want them to know how to make a good speech and no one's choosing to make a good speech. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you can throw that curveball and make that worth more points or wrap some sort of storyline around it, but, but not force kids to do it. So it's still <laughs> this like choice, like, nope, I'm still not going to do it. Or, yeah, like I'm going to go on that adventure and try that. Yeah, I think uh, what's my, my favorite quote is Jane McGonigal, who said that um, games are the uh, voluntarily overcoming unnecessary obstacles. Yes. The idea of voluntary, but also the idea of unnecessary obstacles. I think both of those are important parts of that. Um, not that we're trying to put obstacles in the way of the kids, but fun obstacles that they, they, can have, they then have to overcome. So. Oh, I do not shy away from that word. I am intentionally making the students' lives more difficult. But but done right, like, they enjoy it. Done right, they become, I think, better real-world players. Right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think it's it's worthy. And I think the type of students we have now, you know, we, we everything's changed in our world. Technology's changed, right? Like, TV changed, uh, you know, entertainment's changed, the storylines have changed. Think of, think of superheroes, mm -hmm. right? You know, 50 years ago, it was Superman. That was it. And, like, now we have all these, like, different superheroes that some of them have a dark side to them, right? Like, there's just everything's changed, including our students. And I think this is an area that schools need to change as well. Um, they want competition, but they want it crafted correctly they want challenge they want it crafted correctly mm -hmm. so that's where this just comes at such a great time and it's awesome that you're five years into making it uh and, and i think you've probably seen that with your students yeah that where i think we're probably both zelda fans i know i was when i was growing up it's my favorite uh, when you uh get to the end of a quest there and you had to like open up a treasure box uh there's always like that randomization element do you bring any of that in I do. So I started to do some scratch offs. You can go on Amazon and get these. They're stickers that are clear that have the sort of scratch off material over the clear. So then I use cardstock, print whatever I want. You know, it could be like a treasure chest picture, it could be like a bunch of coins, whatever. And then I make a blank circle with something that they would earn in there. And then I put the sticker over that blank spot. And graphically, it just looks awesome. Kids can do some of these random elements. And it's so fun to hear kids like strategize. Like I've had groups write down what's been had out of that pot. So they know like, because I'll usually have like three or four different graphics. And they know that there are different treasures in the different graphics. So they're like, no, 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 don't, don't go explore the cave. Like somebody already pulled like three powerful items. There's no way there could be another good powerful item in that. You know, go to the, go to the dungeon instead. And this is just, gra I mean, there is no dungeon, right? It's just a graphic. But yeah. just, again, talking about strategy and choice, like, they're, they're, they're thinking there's a, there is an entire, when you gamify your whole class, there is definitely a metagame that l lays over all the academic choices you're giving them. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, like, how 
good that is for our students, you know, to have to, to have to operate on both levels. So the, uh, the overall game plus the, uh, the actual curriculum choices, uh, I, I think allowing those choices, um, is sort of that critical thinking and planning element that we're trying so hard, uh, that we don't get through just a, a straight lecture or, you know, a, a sit and get lesson. No, not at all. Uh, I think you are entirely correct on that. I building in choice isn't easy though, because um, part of that means you as a teacher have to like let go of a lot of control, right? When we normally design in a traditional classroom, if I design that they're doing this speech project and it requires these things, and boom, all hundred of my students are going to go do it, that's a ton of control. But there might be very low buy-in. Now I might have to design several options. I might have to let them opt out of a lot of these things, or I should say opt in too. You know, but that's that's letting go of that. You know, and that's putting in extra effort to to build awesome educational experiences that are not just one-dimensional. And I'm finding that. By doing that, I actually have a lot more time to give feedback. Uh, if we give that traditional lesson where 100 kids are writing 100 speeches and handing them in at the same time, I'm not getting to them for you know, getting them back to them for a week uh, at best. But this way, when kids are doing slightly different things and they're coming up with different products and I'm not standing in the front giving an hour lecture, I can walk around and I can give them that immediate feedback that they need. So by them making different choices, that actually opens up the classroom for so much more time to you know, develop relationships and to give the, the, the quick feedback that we know is so necessary, right? Um, you know, like you, you, the, the, the idea of a feedback loop is so important that kids can make a mistake very quickly, figure out what they need in order to make it better, and then get right back on it and get back to work. Um, that idea of that, that quick feedback uh, along with the student choice I think has really just revolutionized what I'm doing. Uh, and that, that's part of the game that uh, I think is the most helpful. Like when super, when you're playing Super Mario and you touch the first mushroom and Mario dies, you're like, oh, I can't touch Mario. I can't touch the mushroom. You get that immediate feedback and yep. then you, know, you got to jump on him instead. No, I mean, you, you hit on probably the central theme here that these two have to go hand in hand. That the, and that is really where the fun gamer choice exists when when you have that immediate feedback with the choice right so i'm going to choose to see how high i can jump i'm going to see what i can touch what i can do you know what hurts me in this game and you then get that constant feedback on those choices and that is what makes you stronger and better for that next level mm -hmm. and those next sets of choices and i think that building that into our game and having those two paired together is huge. You started the whole podcast off with that you're always in beta and mm -hmm. and ultimately so are our students and teaching them about that iterative process and always being in beta is powerful. And you did another golden nugget for all of us out there is that you know, feedback sometimes teachers want to make it too formalized. We want to like only write on the side of paper really like thoughtful responses and that's good that's that is a powerful version of feedback and we should still continue to do that but we can't forget just walking around and just having those little nudges of conversations that can be 
just as powerful because it's immediate. Mm-hmm. And if anyone needs to uh, justify it, just call it conferencing, and that sounds <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, it is just about that time to have our reflection time. Today we have a great quote that's on topic here by Nelson Mandela, and it is, May your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. How do you think that plays into our overall topic of choices here? Well, I think it's uh, very easy to look at a list of choices and uh, see some that you're scared of. But I think that if we think of that as uh, a hopeful thing, that um, instead of being afraid that you're going to make a mistake, if we can flip that and make students feel hopeful that they're going to improve, even if they do make mistakes, that's still okay. I think that um, that's something that everybody will benefit from. Yeah, I mean, hearing that, I, I'm two things popped to my mind right away. One, Nick Davis has an item called the Fear Serum, and you can get like triple the XP if you do something that runs counterpoint to what you would usually want to do in the class. So you have that shy kid give a speech. If he has a Fear Serum, he's going to get like three times the XP that that thing should be worth. I think I'll be borrowing that one. Yeah, I think that that's just genius. And I love that, you know, like, you know, your hopes are, I'm now projecting, but that person might hope that they would be, have great things to share, but that they're always overcoming that. Like it would, so hopefully getting out there. The other thing that makes me love that quote is, I think that sums up what I see in gamification is that students go on these quests and sometimes they fail, but it's it's the hope that gets them to try the next quest. It's the hope that gets them to go on that next adventure path, which is another whole choice I do in my class. Uh, and it's it's really the hopes that drive it. And as they get stronger in the game, their fears start to drop, drop off. They, they worry less. And I think we've built way too much fear into traditional schools. This is why kids don't always take take the risks you know this is why you have i mean in your world in high school this is why you have i think students taking what is seen or perceived as easier classes so it pads their gpa as opposed to like doing what school's for and that is to to challenge yourself and learn <laughs> like yeah healthy risk taking healthy yeah. risk taking yeah so yeah, definitely i just think it's a, it's a powerful quote and one we should think about in our classrooms maybe i should write that on my board That'd be a good start of the year quote. Uh, well, Adam, I mean, here we are at the end of our 30 minutes. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having me on. I really do hope that uh, we can do this again because truly we have a lot, a lot to chit-chat and learn from each other. Uh, that'd be so awesome. I hope we can as well. For all of you out there listening, thanks so much. It's an honor having you listen with us every week. Uh, we are just enjoying putting these out. And stay connected. Sh- you know, Share your ideas on explorelikeapirate.com. Or you could use the hashtag XPLAP or the hashtag WellPlayedU if you want it to go directly to this podcast. Uh, we're all hoping that you're playing and having a great week. I know we are. And uh, enjoy the start of your year if you're listening to this podcast.